Welcome back again to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese, and we got a great show today. And back with me once again is my co-host, the man they call hot, the man they call spicy. All the kids back at Blanchette High said he tastes great with chicken. That's Brian the Soul Man Solak. Also, (laughs) behind the boards with us today is our favorite guy, the guy who will, on March 14th, eat some pie hopefully he doesn't dribble any rhubarb on his tie he's my friend but to others he's just another guy matthew page (laughs) and i can't say how i can't i can't possibly express how excited i am to have a local legend tonight for as sure as the bronx is up and the battery's down recently from pittsburgh but back in c-town finally new york finney has come back to seattle (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's good to be back home. <laughs> it's good to have you back home. Welcome Happy to our show. Good to be back, man. How you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Doing as they would say, as they would say on NBA, right? Or NBC, NBC well, with NBA, whatever. School and we saw how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, New York, Vinny. Um, for all of those out there who may not be old, like the rest of us on this show, you you were and are starting to become, once again, a major staple on the airways back with various sports radio channels here in the C- Seattle area. You, New York, Vinny, along with Michael Knight. Back in those days, uh, well, I guess Softy is still around and... Graz is still around and a lot of these guys, but you were right up there with all of them on drive time. Speaking of drive time, I believe you're still on the air with a show called drive time. Aren't you? Yes, I do. Uh, I do a, a show every Saturday on KKNW 1150 uh, from eight to nine. It uh, talks about cars. One of my, you know, one of my passions besides sports is automobiles. And we get to uh, talk to people about cars and about the automotive business and all different sorts of aspects of it from you know car clubs and uh, classic cars on through electric uh, you know brand new electric cars uh, it's a lot of fun it's a good i inject my uh, my humor into it so uh so it's worth uh, it's worth a listen on saturday morning if you especially if you're hungover <laughs> and that happens a lot with this crowd and our listeners, especially. And I, I heard last exactly week what I was thinking. <laughs> I heard last week you got a problem with Hummer EVs. Well, what's your problem with Hummer EVs? Actually, your problem is more with the Cybertruck, isn't it? Oh no, I don't have a problem with Hummer EVs at all. No, the, the Cybertruck I thought was. Uh, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> uh, it looked like uh, like a spaceship. It looked like it was uh, from Mars. I don't know, but uh, hey, listen, you know, if, if Tesla makes it, somebody will buy it, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, like a, it's like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Is it true you've done drive time like twenty seven years? Is that what I counted? Uh, I started. We started drive time. Um, Michael Knight and I in nineteen ninety three. Wow. wow. Congratulations. Was this so it's been on the air in one form or another. It's been on Drive Time has been on let's see, KJR. It's been on Cairo and it's been on Como. 
and now it's on uh, KKNW. So it's been on the, we're on our fourth radio station in town. Plus, uh, it's been on KDKA in Pittsburgh um, and a number of other stations around the country. So we've, we've really, um, you know, we've had a lot of fun with it. And, and, and as I say, it's, uh, we're going to develop it into a, a Northwest show. And uh, it is a Northwest show really now. Uh, and try to get it on a bunch of stations in the Northwest. So uh, is, is Michael? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. real quick. Is Michael? Is Michael Knight still around here, or where's he? Where's uh, he doing the show from? Michael is in Los Angeles, okay. and we do a show on Facebook Live that will be turning into a podcast pretty soon on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at uh, 10 a.m. Fantastic. Yeah. One day, you... yeah. So you can actually listen to Mikey and Vinny once again. <laughs> there was a there was a certain day i don't remember when but you disappeared you moved to pittsburgh and you were over there for a while but i heard on one of your recent shows that your inner voice told you to come back to seattle does your got a question for you does your inner voice have an east coast accent or is it a pacific northwest accent oh just, it's definitely a new york accent oh uh, okay gotcha gotcha <laughs> yeah my my inner voice is hey what are you doing come on let's go you know what i mean <laughs> So what brought you back? Uh, uh, what brought me back? A Toyota Camry Hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> I got in it in Pittsburgh and uh, got out of it in in, uh, in Seattle. Um, I don't know. I just always felt that it just feels like home. You know, I mean, this is uh, I've had my, my best success here. Uh, my daughter lives here. My uh, it just. Uh, it felt like the right place for me to be, whether it, uh, whether it's my last stop or not, I don't know. Uh, but it just Seattle, um, when I left, when I decided to leave Pittsburgh, it didn't feel right going back to New York. It felt like this was where I, uh, where I wanted to be. I wanted to come back and, uh, and be on the air here. And, um, and so, uh, I decided to uh, pack it up and come back out. Well, we missed when you left in 2009. A lot of us were crushed. I, I kid you not. I mean, it's great to have you back here. So, it's really well, good to be back. I mean, I, you know, I can't tell you how many people have uh, either stopped me or said, "Hey, listen." And how many people, when I was gone and when I was in Pittsburgh, would would write me emails and notes and things like that and say, "Please, you know, come back to Seattle. We need you back here." Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't think people needed me back here, but it was definitely a sign of, um, you know, that people cared about me. And, and, you know, maybe in retrospect, I should have stuck around here a little bit longer and not gone to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, but the, you know, the idea of putting a brand new station on the air was, uh, was pretty intense. You said you put a brand new station on the air. Was that a project you were working on in Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah, we put, um, we put, there was no, um, like Seattle, there was no FM sports station in Pittsburgh. There was no big, uh, big sports station. So um, I was chosen along with uh, a few other people from around the country uh, to come into Pittsburgh and join with locals there. And we put uh, uh, 93.7 The Fan on the air. Wow. I can't believe that a, a town like Pittsburgh crazy about the Steelers, the Penguins, all that, all, all that history that 
resides in Western Pennsylvania. They did not have a sports channel on FM. That's that's crazy. Yeah, well, listen, we don't have one here in Seattle. I mean, we don't have an FM sports station in Seattle. It's crazy that uh, we don't. I I hope uh, that somebody comes along and does one because I think it would be a, a, a huge success here. Um, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, there's only so many signals uh, you can have, but I think somebody will eventually uh, come here and do an FM sports station. I hope I can be part of it when it happens. Well, you may not have heard New York, Vinny, but within the last 20 years, there hasn't been much to talk about as far as baseball. So nobody on FM really uh, wants to hear about baseball in this town. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been pretty, but I'm back now, so we'll, we'll get the Mariners oh, going. That's there part we of the go. I came back. I was their good luck charm before I left. Time for me to bring them some luck now. I like you this guy. Good luck charm. <laughs> um, before we, we we do want to talk more sports, but I have to ask a personal question. I'm in the towing business, and my boss, Dan Kelleher, uh, back in the day when he started up his business, he said he used to call you all the time on the Mariners post-game show and talk to you but, uh, several times, and it, he found out that you were used to be in the towing industry. Is that true? And so do you, I'd love to hear some little bit about that. Yes, I was. Yes, I, I, as a matter of fact, I was in the towing industry. I, was a tow, I owned a... Uh, um, I actually at one time owned the largest AAA repair shop in New York City. Mm. Um, wow. I also, uh, what else did I do? I mean, I had, uh, you know, we used to have a thing in New York called chasing, where we would chase after accidents. And um, I was a chase driver for uh, a few years. And then, um, uh you know, drove on the parkways, uh, authorized tow. In uh, in New York, there's only one company that's allowed to go on the highways and pick up cars. And I drove one of those trucks for a while. And as I said, wound up um, uh, starting my own towing business. And we grew it into a, a fairly large business before uh, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. That's outstanding. Um, what are your thoughts on slow down, move over law? I mean, my guys are out there every day risking their lives on the freeway and all these idiots on the road are almost hitting my drivers. I mean, they say up to a thousand drivers die yearly. I mean, did that ever happen to you? Did people come close to you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I got, I got, um, I almost got killed. I was um, picking up a car. Um, I was picking up a car on, on Astoria Boulevard, this this big boulevard in, in, in Queens, and uh, I had the lights on, and I'm, I'm dropping the boom in the back, and this was in the old days. We had to get outside the truck, and, you know, we had a, a three-pole manly crane on the truck, and while I was dropping the boom, some drunk, uh, instead of going around me, saw the three lights, you know, the rotator and the two flashes on the hood of the, uh, on the, um, top of the truck and he aimed for the middle one. Oh my god uh, <laughs> and oh. knocked the truck about uh, 200 feet up into the air and what? down and, and had I had I not got out of you know turned to talk to the customer I would have been standing between the car I was hooking up and the truck and I would have gone 200 feet with them. 
Oh, oh my God. Um, was this, was yeah, this near, so, I mean, was this near Astoria? Yeah, it was, it was, it was right, in his, uh, right on Astoria Boulevard. It, yeah. it was, it was Mike Piazza. I bet you was, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't sue me, Mike Piazza. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, wow. uh, so yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. And I, and I absolutely think that people um, need to, uh, you know, slow down and move over for emergency vehicles. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I don't know why it's not a law. Um, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, m- many tow truck drivers are killed, uh, every year. Uh, I know a few people, uh, back in the towing industry in New York that were killed like that, that were working the parkways. Um, uh, it, it would get so bad on a Friday night that mm-hmm. we wouldn't tow anybody up. We'd just get behind them with the push plate, and push them off, off the oh, highway wow. and up onto, uh, onto a place that we could hook them up without the cause was, you know, without cause was in by, uh, it was, you know, it was crazy. That is crazy. Thank you for sharing that story. I'm glad God, God was looking out for you that night. One, one last thing, my boss, Dan said, if you ever want to get back into the industry, we'll hire you on the spot. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, we can always talk about that. I mean, there's always, you know, listen, there's a, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different options in life, you know. And I never say no to anything. New York, <laughs> New York, Vinny. What was the coolest car you ever towed? The coolest car I ever owned? No, towed. Like, is there ever a car that oh. you're just like, this is going back to my house? Like, I'm just going to have this car. <laughs> well, I never. T- uh, let's see. <laughs> Try to think. What was the cool? I um. Uh, coolest car. It's ever. okay. I, I mean, I, I, told, I mean, I towed a Rolls Royce once. Ooh. Uh, nice. You know, a a, a brand new. Um, uh, this was what about a '75 uh, Silver Cloud, I think it was. Um, and we towed it back to our shop. We didn't keep the car uh, to oh. fix it. Rolls Royce came and got it the next day. Uh, but that was pretty cool. As a matter of fact, when I when I hooked that car up. We used to have, uh, we hung out on 53rd Park, uh, 53rd Street Park Avenue. Uh, there was a place where tow truck drivers used to hang out to go to calls in Manhattan when I used to chase in Manhattan. And I made sure that I drove around the block two times with the rolls on the hook so the other <laughs> tow truck drivers could see it. You know, Cause, you know, we all like to, uh, we all like to rub it into each other. Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, B- Brian, uh, you work for, what is it? R and R is that right? R and R, R and R start towing in Linwood. Yep. Right. Right. And sometimes you'll post on Facebook, all oh, the cool cars. Uh, I'm sure they're little, uh, you know, bullet ridden and have, you know, blood everywhere. But I mean, you know, some of those cool gangster cars <laughs> no. that you have, like, I want to go to those auctions. I'm sure I could get a good deal. Couldn't I? You could, yes. If you know, if you know how to fix it up, you get there's a lot of good deals. <clears throat> we towed a '54 Jaguar today. In fact, you're talking about classic cars. Oh, it was gorgeous. I would love a '54 it, Jaguar. A friend of mine just sold one. I just had a good friend of mine, Al, sold one last year. He had a he had a '54 Jaguar. Uh, and it was an X, XJ, I think it was, mm-hmm. and yes. um, convertible. And I was a boy. Oh, what a beautiful car, man. Green, yeah. it's, car. I bet you it's green, right? No, it was it was no, it was it was uh, white actually with a oh, red interior. I thought green was and, like the classic uh, Jaguar color. 
the, the proper term is British racing green. Thank yes, you. Yes, British Thank racing you, green. <laughs> awesome. Now, um, so do you guys watch like Highway Through Hell? I have before, yes, up there in Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what's the other one? Heavy Rescue 401, right? I, yeah, I'm aware of that. I haven't watched that maybe once or twice, but I'm more familiar with the other one. Oh, you guys got to get on a stick, man. You got to be watching these shows, <laughs> man. Repping the towing industry. Understood. I'll work on that. <laughs> That's your new assignment, Brian. You need to get on that. You got it. All right. <laughs> should, we, should we get into some sports? What do you think, Brian? I would love to get into some sports. How about oh, you, I don't know anything about sports. Oh, well, we got the wrong guy. All right. Well, it's nice <laughs> knowing you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I remember you back when you were at KJR. I just, uh, you were at, yeah, you were at KJR. Um, yeah. How yeah. did you become, how did you get into that? Because I remember Seattle, in my opinion, in my circle of friends, did not catch on to sports radio and I still got friends who don't listen to it. And it was really weird in the nineties. Like it wasn't, it didn't seem like it took off. It kind of slow bubbled. It's slow brewed. I'll put it that way. Did you get that same experience? Well, Is that? Uh, well, they did it. The way they did it up here was interesting. You know, they took a rock and roll station and they really didn't want to commit to it full time. Sure. Uh, they wanted to kind of see how it went. So they went with, you know, they had, I think, Calabro and Bob Blackburn doing um, Calling All Sports, I think it was, on KJR in the evenings. Right. And, you know, and then it really took off here, I think, when they brought the sports babe in. Nancy, uh, Nancy you know, Dillon, had, yeah. Right. They had, they had Graz, they had the sports babe, uh, and Gastineau. And it, uh, and then they brought Michael Knight up, and and that's when they kind of went full time sports, except for Bruce Williams. Remember Bruce Williams, who was on overnight, the guy who knew everything about everything. Um, <laughs> uh, and and it was um, they 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 didn't you know like like many people in Seattle, they didn't commit. You know, I mean, you know, there's a thing in Seattle, right? People don't want to commit to anything right away. Instead of going whole hog uh, and just say, okay, as of this date, we're going all sports and that's it. Um, They kind of half-stepped at it. And finally, um, uh, um, Ackerley, who owned the station at the time. And the Sonics. uh, And the Sonics. And the Sonics, yeah, wanted to promote the uh, wanted to promote the team, promote the station. So we decided to go all sports That's and cool. really uh, use it as a showcase for the Sonics. The Sonics had started to get hot, um, and so there they were. They finally decided to go all sports, and that's when people um, really started to listen. I might be misremembering this. You guys can correct me, but I feel like even. Even in that early stage, the morning guy was still a music guy, right? Um, like you guys I still know. played, you guys still played music half the time, or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's some of the early yeah. Yeah, in the early yeah. stage before I got here. Um, I mean, I I got here in '93. I think in, in, in up until about '90 90 or '91, 
maybe, uh, maybe even 92, they played music. I, I wasn't too familiar with it before. Okay. Uh, they, you know, before, uh, Michael got here, I, I, I learned about KJR when, uh, when Michael Knight got up here. Okay. Okay. Uh, you mentioned this fabulous sports babe. I do have to share. I met her on a, a KJR cruise back in 92 or 93 and, she sure can pound some liquor, let me say, but she was very interesting and fun to get to know. And do, do you keep in touch with her or any of your oh, yeah, former colleagues? Yeah. yeah, no, I keep in touch with her. She's a, um, she's a good friend and, um, she's, uh, you know, she's kind of semi-retired every once in a while. She fills in. We almost worked together in Pittsburgh. They almost hired her. Okay. As well as me for the station that was uh, in Pittsburgh at the last minute, they changed their mind and they didn't uh, they didn't hire her. Uh, but we almost wound up being back together. And um, uh, the babe it, uh, the babe was was uh, a good person. I liked uh, yeah. I liked Nancy. I know a lot of people at the station didn't like her. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, she always treated me and my family uh well and with respect and um and was always good to us me my wife at the time and my daughter uh she was always good to us and yeah, she, uh, i don't have anything bad to say about her at all she had a, a big heart great woman <clears throat> yeah she really did she had, she was a good she was a good woman and uh and she was somebody who um, had a lot of talent. Um, I think it was a mistake for her to go to ESPN, but she made a ton of money going there. Yeah, so it could have been that much of a mistake. Is that when she went to? <laughs> is that when she went to Tampa? No, that was before she went to Tampa. That oh, was okay. when she went gotcha. to ESPN, went up to Connecticut. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, and uh, did the national show on ESPN too? I remember, I believe. I think it was ESPN too. Yeah, I forget uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think it was ESPN too. And she was uh, she was a, a you know a, a, a big piece of their uh, of their program. I think she was on four hours a day um, on her show, and um, you know she people got on the phone with her man when she wanted to book somebody. She called them up, and people went on went on her show. Right. She's not the only one that switched, though, right? You you had your opportunity to switch channels as well. Oh yeah, well I got fired at KJR, so I had to switch. <laughs> they wouldn't let me back in the building. <laughs> I was trying to put a different spin on that, um, but no, you didn't. You go, didn't you? Basically, go uh, uh, metaphorically across the street. Uh, yeah, so I went from KJR to Cairo, and they. Uh, they called me in one day at KJR and said, uh, we don't, uh, we're going to let you go. And we're, they said they're going in a different direction. And I said, well, great. Okay. Uh, I think the direction is down if you're going without me. Um, yeah. and they let me, uh, they let me go. And, um, I was pretty depressed about it until I got a call from Cairo and they said, listen, uh, come over. And they actually, um, they gave me an opportunity not just to do sports, but to do general talk, talk as well. Oh, wow. Which I had oh, always wow. wanted to do. Nice. And um, mm -hmm. I 
uh, I had a great, my, my career never would have taken off as it did if it wasn't for going over to Cairo. So I thank them every day for firing me at KJR because they did the best thing uh, that they could have possibly done. Right on. Hey, uh, when you were at Cairo, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Oh, because I had always wanted to do baseball and I wanted to do, um, you know, the, the, the Mariners post game, you know, I wanted to do the post game and Mariner magazine and all that kind of stuff. And, um, KJR never had the resources to do that right. And Cairo did. So when I got a chance to go over there and, uh, and, and work with the Mariners, I was in seventh heaven. Do you happen or do you care to share a, a quick Mariner moment you had working for 710 or in general over the years, whether it was on the air or off the air? Oh, man, there were so many different. Uh, I mean, it was just the time of my life. Um, let's see. What, what would, well, you know, there was, um, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in, in 2000, um, Alex Rodriguez started uh, uh, started this thing where he where he rubbed my belly before a game. It was uh, like a good luck charm. Okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't so remember this at it all. actually wound up that the team I would have to go in the, in the clubhouse before <laughs> the game and four or five or six guys on the team would rub my belly and they would <laughs> in, in, invariably get hits. Oh, that's awesome. And win games. So they kind of, you know, baseball players are superstitious. Mm-hmm. So Raul Ibanez started doing it, and Freddie Garcia was doing it uh, every time he pitched, and Alex was doing it. And so, you know, we talked about it on the air. I mean, it's a, it's a uh, talk show host dream to be involved in the um, – in the uh, – uh, you know, in, a, in the machinations of a baseball team like that. Mm-hmm. So um, when they won the division that year, it was the division of the first round of the playoffs, and it was first round of the playoffs, they won at Safeco Field. They actually dragged me out onto the field and poured champagne on me and rubbed my belly <laughs> out on Aww. the field. That's in front awesome. of like all the fans, and you know what? It was just for a kid who grew up hanging out, trying to get autographs outside the fence of Shea Stadium. That was—I uh, mean, it, it, what? How much better could it get? Well, they could actually be get involved in the team like that. It was—it was phenomenal. It was beautiful. Well, they could have rubbed your belly that day that uh, Bernie Williams hit that homer in what was it—the eighth. That would have been nice. Um, but anyway. Yeah, well, you know. I'm, I'm just bitter. Everybody's <laughs> luck runs out sometimes. Otherwise, there will only be three guys standing at the casino. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh. Uh, question, question for you uh, about baseball. Matt, uh, I know you're hanging out out there. You're lurking. Can you ask your baseball question? I would love to hear what New York Vinny has to say about this. Which which baseball question? The thing that you were complaining about right before the show. Uh oh! Today they're they're talking about instituting some new rules for minor league baseball play, 
and they are implementing among of them they're not none of them are really that uh, offensive except in double a they're going to experiment with limiting defensive shifts so they're putting a restriction on the number of players requiring a player a, a minimum of four players to be in the infield so you can't only have like two on one side and put everyone in the outfield or do anything really crazy um, and my, my my concern, I guess, I was wondering, um, how do you feel about that? Do you think we're just gonna we're just gonna just tear down all the rules to the point where we're no longer gonna have any defense or pitching? We're just gonna turn it into a one hundred percent offensive game? Uh, w- w- the uh, current administration of baseball is screwing it up so bad yeah. uh, that you're not gonna recognize this game, and I can't believe that uh, this is what people want. I mean, this ridiculous crap about starting a runner at second base. Who uh, came yeah. up with this Fakakta idea? You know, starting a runner at second base. And, uh, I mean, why not, you know, why not just have an official left fielder like we used to do in the schoolyard? Or why, I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the beauty of baseball is that you play with the same rules now, basically. Than you that you played in 1945 and 1935 and 1925. I mean, I don't even like the designated hitter, so I mean, I think that's a bunch of rules too. That was going to be my so, next question. I, I'm, <laughs> of the three of us, I'm the only one that wants the DH to not go to the NL because I like watching National League baseball, and I was curious. Yeah, it's a whole different can. kind of baseball. I didn't realize how much I missed National League baseball until I went back to Pittsburgh. And, and, you know, and, and you had to use the, you know, you had to, your pitchers hit. Um, and the, the, the strategy in the game, everything is so much different. It's baseball. Uh, you know, what they play in the American League is softball, uh, you know, in many ways. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, wait a minute. It's wait okay. a minute. <laughs> We've come to accept it. But, um, you know, the sacrifice and the bunt and pitchers that have to move runners over and things like that, that's um, that's part of the game of baseball. Exactly. Small ball is part of baseball. And there's no, a reason why well, we on. go back to it in, in the playoffs. Matt, no, you're not going to get away with this because you're Mr. <laughs> Sab- you're Mr. Sabermetrics nerd. You can't leave well enough alone about baseball. And you, no, 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 no. What killed the sacrifice is – is stupid nerds in their mother's basement managing baseball teams. That's that's what's killing baseball. Don't sacrifice is not a function of the DH. It's a function of numbers and spreadsheets and all that garbage. Well, no, no, I would agree with you. I mean, I would agree with you that 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 you know that this whole thing about well, you know, do you do this over that, and because this gets you that. It, it takes the excitement out of the game. What's more exciting than than, than seeing somebody steal home? It's uh, amazing. You know, when's the last amazing, time you saw yeah. somebody steal home? You well, know, when, when is the last time you saw somebody leg a double into a triple because they were fast and they were watching the ball and the ball was all the way out there? They didn't have no shift on. Uh, you know, they were they the, the ball player was a baseball player and he realized where the ball was and he kept going. That you know uh, you. I mean, I understand that you can quantify a lot of things with numbers, but you're taking the soul out of the game. You're taking the human element out of the game. Yeah. You're managing 
I, I don't know. You're, you're managing for percentages instead of for humans. So now what would you say about, sorry, sorry, Solak, I know you got some questions. Uh, one more here for me. Um, what would you say about you got to jazz up the game to get the kids excited? Like something um, isn't connecting right now. Like baseball is the old man sport. Well, I think part of what you have to do is you have to make it accessible to people. I mean, the problem is now uh, we have, there is a deep problem in baseball is where they can't get uh, kids of color interested in the game. And I don't know if you're looking around a lot of cities and stuff, but a lot of people are of color these days. Uh, And baseball has a problem because they can't get them interested in the game. And I don't know exactly what you have to do to do that, uh, but baseball better figure it out because the 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 balance of 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 people uh, is changing in this country. That that's a fascinating and, that's a fascinating thing you say, New York Finney. And so, like, I'm sorry, I one more. Um, we, I was on a show with uh, with a soccer group in uh, Wales. And we're talking, we were talking about where soccer was in America back in the nineties and that in the nineties, it was a white suburban kid game. It wasn't being played throughout the country and throughout the different community communities, either urban or rural. It's just suburban kind of like lacrosse right now. And yeah, it seems like they figured it out. Like soccer is the number one sport the kids are playing right now. And it seems like baseball hasn't. So I agree with you on that. There, there's there's a disconnect there somewhere. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, they have programs like the RBI program and so on and so forth, but they need something more than that. You look at teams and how many African-Americans do you see on baseball teams? It was, uh, the Mariners, I think, have the most, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah, in, and- uh, you know, in the, in the major leagues, I think that you need to make this game attractive uh, uh, for young African American kids as well as young white kids. Um, uh, you know, you have to figure out a way to get them bats and balls and gloves, and and do it like we used to do it, not where you go down and you have to join a a traveling little league team and pay five hundred dollars and this and that, but. More, uh, you need more pickup games. You need more uh, where kids go down to the schoolyard and they and they play. Uh, you know, they choose up sides and they play because you play four or five games uh, on a on a, uh, a Saturday or a Sunday, and you learn to love the game. You learn how to play the game. Um, you know, when you have when you're in little league, uh, I hate to say this about little league, but I don't think that it fosters the love of the game like like the choose up games used to. Right. You got helicopter parents, right? Right. You don't want your parents around when you're playing games. You know, I, I mean, if my father showed up at the schoolyard when I was playing baseball, I'd run the other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, you, you're, you were in Pittsburgh during Andrew McCutcheon's prime time. And Solak, right. Matt and I talked about this before. Uh, where was his face plastered on every billboard, you know, on the East Coast? And they're doing a crappy job of Mike Trout. Mike Trout, I know he's a quiet, reserved guy, but he should be a superstar on every well, Wendy's box and every, you know, 
soda pop can. Well, see, unfortunately, the philosophy with baseball is the team is the star, uh, not the players. The Seinfeld rooting um, for the laundry, right? Right. They, 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 root, they root in baseball. They try to get you to root for the uniform as opposed to root for the players because they figure if you sell the players when it comes time to sign the players, uh, they're going to want a lot more money. And um, and I think that 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 hurts baseball. I think you know you you um, you look at football, and they push the players. You look at basketball, they push the players. Uh, you look at hockey, they push the players. In baseball, they push the teams. Well, well said. I, I have to ask another personal question, New York Vinny. I, I noticed that you've been involved in the community well over 20 plus years, especially with cystic fibrosis. My nephew passed away in 2001 with cystic fibrosis and oh, it broke my heart. Thank you. It broke my heart. It broke our family's heart. And wh why do you choose cystic fibrosis and are they any closer to finding a cure? Um, boy, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know if they're any closer to finding a cure. The last couple of years, I haven't been all that active uh, with cystic fibrosis. As a matter of fact, I was hoping, actually, when I got back here, um, to uh, you know, to get reinvolved in it. I know that um, I got involved in it um, oddly enough because I had a friend that worked at the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and okay. she came to me and asked me once. If I would um, ho help host the um, Mariners Cystic Fibrosis Golf Tournament, and I met um, a, a, a young woman that had cystic fibrosis and talked to her and hosted her at a ball game, and um, I was just touched by her story. Okay. And I saw what 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 parents go through and what people go through uh, with this disease, and I was really touched by it. And um, so I, you know, um, among other charities that I'm in, uh, that I was involved with, I really made a commitment to help out cystic fibrosis any way I could. Thank you for that. Much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I, I, I want to move on to the Seahawks, if you don't mind. Um, sure. I'll, I'll say one name, Russell Wilson. What what are your thoughts? Does he want does he want out of town? I mean, is he really complaining as much as the media is saying? Um, I don't I you know, I don't trust him. You know, the media's job is to get clicks, to sell papers, to uh to do all this stuff. I don't know, I haven't talked to Russell Wilson, I haven't interviewed him. Um, I don't think that things are as bad as the media is making it out to be. They need a story and uh, you know, the Russell Wilson thing is a great story. You know, they tell you in sports radio, if you got nothing to talk about, create a quarterback controversy. Okay. Or fire the coach. Those are the two things you can do where people will always pick up the phone and call. And um, I think it's unfortunate because I, I don't, you know, I don't think Russell Wilson wants to go anywhere, to be honest with you. From what I see and what I read, um, I don't really think he wants, if you sift through all of the bull crap, 
Um, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he wants to be here. I think he, he's tired of getting his butt kicked. Uh, he probably wants an offensive line. But you know what? If you call Ben Roethlisberger and you're in, in Pittsburgh and you talk to him, he'll tell you he wants an offensive line too. If you call Dak Shepard in Dallas, call him, he'll tell you he wants an offensive line too. Every quarterback wants an offensive line and uh, in front of him that's going to be good and solid and give him time to do what he needs to do. Russell Wilson is a special case in that he needs guys that can block for him when he wants to jump out of the pocket and run around the field. Is there any... So he needs... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, is there any... Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask, is there any uh, reason we should be a little bit worried, though? Because nobody's really nobody's really coming to Russell Wilson's defense. Like how did Mr. Nice guy, you know, uh, you know, takes his vitamins, drinks his milk and says his prayers become the anti, the anti-hero. Well, that's because fans are, uh, fans can be real idiots sometimes. It's not just fans though. I mean, you look at the uh, various members of the Legion of Boom this week, um, Michael Robinson, former running back, you know, got on his case, and the media's kind of turned on him too. Well, it's, uh, but again, if everything's peaceful, nobody's clicking on the websites. If you're a writer, if you have a sports talk show, you got to create a controversy. When does this happen? And when does this happen, New York, Vinny? Though, when a team wins 12, 12 games in a season, and and they're just looking for things to nitpick, is it, this? Well, that, that you know, people people should remember the old days when you know when, when you were glad that the Seahawks won five games. <laughs> you know, think, you, you know, I'm around, I'm around long enough to remember those days with the Seahawks. Remember Bering, you know, and and and, oh, and no. his situation. Remember the team uh, mm-hmm. picking up the leap. They got a quarterback that won you twelve games. Uh, you know what? There's things that need to be fixed on the team. Like again, the offensive line. Um, I think that uh, every quarterback says things um, in the off season when they get their asses kicked. And Russell yeah. got his ass kicked a bunch of times this year. Is any of this um, on? Is any of this on the coaching and GM? Yeah, I think a lot of it's on the coaching and the GM. I think they got to go out and get him um, an offensive line that stops people. Do you think Russell? I mean, they don't have much money. Do you think Russell should renegotiate his contract or what? If he wants to, I mean, if, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to tell somebody how to, how to, uh, what to do with their pay. Um, I think that sometimes, uh, you know, necessity, if you want to win dictates that you should, if you're making a ton of money, go back there and renegotiate your contract so you can help the team along. But that's okay. a decision for him. I don't think, I don't think a fan should not like him because he won't renegotiate his contract. How many people do you know that if their boss came to them and said, well, we want you to take a pay cut so I can hire somebody else to make me richer? 
Oh, no. If, if my, <laughs> no, if my company said to me, like, well, you know, we, uh, if we, if you take a pay cut, if you take 50% pay cut, we can get you a nice leather chair. I'd say, I know exactly where you can stick that leather chair. Yeah. I, I mean, see, fans want, fans want the sports, uh, uh, fans want players to do things that they would never do. Yeah. It, it, it's the that whole. That they would never dream of doing. So, it's for my human. money, if, if he wants to take a pay cut so that they can go out and restructure his contract, and it's not even a pay cut, it's just deferring payments. Uh, I don't think he's really going to take a pay cut. If, if the team wants to do that and he thinks that that's the key to putting them over the top, then he should do it. But it's something that he's got to decide, not me, not you, uh, not not anybody, because we don't know his situation. We don't know what it is. And remember, you know, we all talk about, well, this, that, the other thing. To the players, this is a business. Because don't forget, the minute that Russell Wilson can't play anymore, the Seahawks are going to kiss his ass goodbye. Yep, yep. I'm going to gonna keep him around and say, well, you know, uh, he gave us all these good years, so we'll keep him around another year or two and pay him. They're going to cut him and throw him right out the door. Yeah, look what happened to old Yeller when he asked for a contract extension. Wow. Didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole this whole idea of, uh, you know, you got to be loyal to the team and you got to do this, that's um, – that, that doesn't that, – that, that dog don't hunt no more. Good point. No, it is kind um, of fascinating. Oh, sorry. I just want one more thing. Here. Yeah, oh, it okay. is kind of fascinating, New York, Vinny. We ask, this isn't just sports either. We ask people to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice. Emphasis on you. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah I, fans have unrealistic expectations. Uh, two things fans have is unreal, unrealistic expectations and unrealistic trades. Everybody wants to trade this guy and that guy for this guy and that guy, and the trades can never work out. But, you know, it's part of it. And Facebook and Twitter and all of this other stuff have just um, made the situation worse. That's true, yeah. Um, anybody I can put up, a, you know, some kind of post that this, that, the other thing is uh, is happening. And, you know, 90% of the people see it on Facebook and go, oh, Russell Wilson uh, doesn't want to be here. Or Russell Wilson's agent said this. Or Russell Wilson's agent said that. Do you know if it's true or not? Yeah, but who's the, who's the greater fool, the poster or the fool who listens or reads the poster, you know? Both. <laughs> Both. Both. Yeah. All of them. Happened over last night. <laughs> I mean, that just happened look last at a- night with Chicago and, and uh, the supposed rumors overnight and the, uh, the Las Vegas betters have, have taken the prop bet for Russell moving or being traded off the board and, and they've adjusted the, the Bears' Super Bowl chances way up because everyone <laughs> got the, tw- the Twitter rumors that, that Russell's on the move to, to Chicago right now. And Russell Wilson is no will source. be the starting quarterback for the Seahawks in September I agree. when they take the field. He's not going anywhere. Uh, let's let's just let's just put that one to bed right now. I would be shocked 
if Russell Wilson went anywhere. He's going to be here, um, and, you know, and and, and I, I don't know what's what, what's the other thing. Colin Kaepernick is going to be the new quarterback. Uh, I mean, really, folks. I mean, I think Colin Kaepernick deserves a chance um, at at being a quarterback in the NFL, but not with the Seahawks. Excellent point. I, I got to ask you one more Mariner question. I forgot to ask. I'm sure you had many interactions with the late Dave Niehaus. Would you care to share a story about Dave Niehaus, perhaps? Oh, a story about Dave. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a quick story about Dave. Uh, so we're we're going to, we're in Cooperstown for Dave getting uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I go and I fly into New York. I pick up a couple of friends from New York and I'm driving hightailing up to Cooperstown to try to get there for the three o'clock press conference with Dave and the other people who are getting inducted. So drive up the throughway, get off, boom, I get into Cooperstown. I'm driving down this street looking for the, um, you know, they have the press conference in the basement of the high school. Cooperstown, right? <laughs> so as I'm driving up this street, I look to my right and I see Dave walking down the street. And I'm looking and it's like press conference time. So I roll down the window and I go, Dave, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's oh, Vinny, I'm glad to see you. I'm walking around. I don't know where this, you know where the hell this place is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I says, all right, Dave, get in. So I got <laughs> these two friends of mine that are Mariners fans that live in New York. We're trying, now they got Dave Niehaus sitting next to them. And they're like pissing <laughs> in their pants. I mean, you know Dave Niehaus? Well, yeah, I work with the guy, you know. Yeah. So we're talking and they're all excited. And so we drive up to the uh, to the high school. And Tim Hefley, the, the Mariners PR guy, is standing in front of the high school, pacing up and down because no Dave. And I pull up with these two people and Dave in the car. And the little Hefley's looking at me and says, what the hell? And I says, I found him wandering the streets. <laughs> and they went inside. They had the press conference. It was great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave was I – miss, I miss Dave. I keep a picture of Dave and me. On my desk, I miss um, I miss him every day, man. He was uh, he was a great guy. He was an advocate of my career. He helped me out immensely. He was, um, you know, we um, we just uh, we saw things uh, 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 the same way about a lot of things, and um, I I was lucky every day that I got to go in and do the post-game show and sit in his chair. And, um, and, and it never was lost on me. Uh, not one day that I sat in that chair, uh, that I would, and I used to always sit in his chair and, uh, it was never lost on me how great he was and how much of that team, um, he was, uh, when when they had nothing, and that's why the last ten years have been, you know, think about it. Dave is gone ten years. 
There's no, nobody on that. And, and I like Rick Riz and everything like that. He's a, he's a friend of mine. But nobody made nobody made the game as interesting when it wasn't interesting as Dave did. True. <clears throat> so yeah, well New said. York, Vinny. I was gonna I was gonna talk about that loser, Dave Ma- or Kevin Mathers. I don't want to forget that uh, because you because we talked about Dave Niehaus. I wanted to I wanted to ask you a question about what it is that he did that. Uh, I listen to baseball on the radio a lot. How did he weave a story uh, different than other people? Because I listen to I, I listen to a lot of radio, so you know I listen to other sports. I listen to even other baseball games. There's nobody that can do it like he did. What I can't uh, put my finger on it. Storyteller. Okay. He was a storyteller. Dave told stories. And Dave could, you know, Dave was much more interesting than the game most of the time. <laughs> uh, the stuff that Dave talked about, the things that he had seen, uh, the stuff around the club that he had seen, he could tell those stories in his own inimitable style. And people listen. Um, it's, you know, nowadays you got guys and they, they you know, they read the stat book. They read what the, the notes that the, you know, that the mm-hmm. PR guy hands them. Uh, they're afraid to say anything out of the normal. Dave, Dave didn't care. Dave said what was on his mind, and he he did it in a way uh, because he knew how to turn a phrase. He was educated. He knew how to speak English. Uh, he wasn't afraid to turn a phrase, to use, uh, um, uh, you know, his storytelling powers to tell what was going on on the field and maybe what wasn't going on on the field. Right and there, there aren't a lot of people that can do that around baseball, around any sport anymore, really. Um, you know, you think of, of now maybe, you know, John Sterling and Susan Waldman for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe Howie Rose for the Mets. Um, but I'm trying to think up and down uh, the dial, uh, Kuiper in um, in San Francisco. And, um, you know, our guys that tell stories. But really, um, you know, Dave, Dave was one of a kind. You would tune in to listen to Dave and not care what was going on in the game. Yep. Very and, true. And really, oh, good. Oh, I was going to say, what what has? I mean, I'm I'm part of the MTV generation, and I'm just trying to figure out what has put an end to this, um, where it's. Got to get instant gratification. You know, got to get that dopamine rush with, you know, he shoots, he scores, you know, with just stat after stat after exciting thing after exciting thing rather than a build up to an experience. Like, where did, like, I guess I answered my own question as to where this all went wrong. (laughs) Like, well, we we don't place value on storytellers anymore. We want everything in two seconds. You know, the person that sits down and they tell a story, they tell, uh, they talk about the human experience, they talk about the different things, 
in, in life. We don't value those people anymore. No. You know, Hemingway would have never, I mean, Hemingway would have, forget about it. He would have never made it today. Uh, people that tell stories. Um, now, maybe that's going to change with podcasting. Maybe, you know, people that, that are like me that are long-winded and can tell a story. <laughs> maybe we're going to find a place in, the, in in podcasting, you know, because people go there because they don't want the two seconds in between a show, uh, in between a song, you know, or two seconds in between a play. They want something longer, something more meaningful, something that they can grab onto. That's and, a big... and that was Dave. That's a big yeah. thing. Like we've, uh, Matt and I have had this fight uh, before, not between ourselves, but with other people that, you know, uh, we want long form content because you know what? We can sit there for more than five seconds without looking at the, you know, without looking at our phone or, you know, whatever's flashing up on the screen. That's, that's the reason why we're doing this podcast is we, we want to dig into things and talk about them and not, mm -hmm. not just, you know, get the latest and greatest, you know, hits of the day. But um, it, it's, it's, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, New York, Vinny. I think, I think that's what this is all about. It's, I think this is how we can turn the tide, so to speak. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that, that eventually, you know, at some point, you know, everything will, will change. I don't think, I, I think it will, it will circle around and people like Dave will come back again and make, uh, make their presence. But, but every, you know, you listen to all these baseball broadcasts, they all sound the same. There's no more distinction of what city you're in or what this or what that. It's all, you know, that. And the fact that every every third word is an ad for somebody. Yeah. It's really hard to build up a rhythm in a play-by-play -play broadcast booth when you have to do um, an ad for somebody every five minutes. This is the Mike Trout at bat brought to you by Tylenol. Yeah. It, yeah. It gets I, I mean, it's, yeah. It, it, it really does. And, and, you know, teams are trying to make as much money as they can. And selling every ad space. I mean, you know, the, um, I don't know, the, the, the roof report is the one that gets me. Where they, they actually get sponsored, the, 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 you know, the roof is going to be open today or the roof is going to be closed today. <laughs> I mean, really? Uh, who's, who's, who's the uh, sponsor, Preparation H? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't get why they. Every, it's everything. It's everything. I I get that you need the extra cash to get the extra players, but you know, going back to a town that you just came back from a couple of years ago, Pittsburgh, they ain't even spending this cash. They're pocketed and stuff like that. Like, what, what the, the the baseball team? Yeah, the Pirates. I'm sorry, I should have been more clear. Well, yeah, they, yeah. Well, yeah. They're well. It's a business. Again, it goes back to there are some people that own these teams because they're competitive and they want to win, and they want you know, and, and winning means everything to them. Uh, the George Steinbrenners of the world, and then there are people 
who own these teams because they can make a buck at it. It's entertainment. And they're in the entertainment business. It's nothing new. It's been like that uh, since baseball started. Yeah. Um, it's it's part of the game. Now, the Mariners, um, you know, I mean, they're – they went for a while and tried to tried to win by spending money, and they were the first team in Major League history to spend a hundred million dollars and lose a hundred games. So I mean, that takes talent. Yeah, yeah, it takes talent to do that. <laughs> you have to be you have to be smart at what you're doing. And the Mariners, um, you know, have brought in time and time again people who are um, in many ways, yes, people. You know, they, they, they brought in... Right. Whoops. Hello? Yeah. You know, he got it, it, his first couple of years were rough with the Mariners. It's always tough to, to replace Lupinella. But instead of going and getting Dusty Baker, who was available at the time, because uh, Dusty would have told them exactly what he what he wanted, <laughs> they didn't want that after Lou Pinella. They went through ten years of Lou Pinella telling them what he wanted. Uh, they didn't want to let that happen. You got to be willing to um, listen listen to what your manager and what your field people are telling you. Yeah, every dissident in the last twenty years has been kicked out, right? Your Eric Wedges, your Hargroves, your Pinellas. It, yeah. I agree. Yeah, the people that people that um, that tell you where it's at and say to you, "This is what we need." Um, if it doesn't coincide with what they think you need, you're gone. Yep, yep. I got one last and, question. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. And when they get over that, when they when they decide that winning is the most important thing, not who will listen to you then maybe they'll have a shot at winning something. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, I, I got one last question for you. Do you think we're ever going to get our Seattle Supersonics back here? Yeah, probably at some point. I don't know who would go to who would go to an NBA game here. I would. Huh? But I would. <laughs> but I can see, see what people you, forget. So I can see what you mean, though. I mean, there's I mean, plenty of people that are – angry at the NBA right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's, you know, the, having an NHL team here is going to delay the Sonics coming back. Um, because there's only so much money to go around. And uh, I don't, I, I just don't know that, that, that this town will support all four. Well, yeah. How many cities? How many cities? How many cities are there? Like Denver, New York, L.A., Chicago. That's about it, right? That support the whole game. Uh, yeah, Philly has all four. Um, don't they? No. Miami bad. has all four. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They just got a soccer team this year. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, the cities, but. Again, I don't know that Seattle um, 
would now I'll tell you what, if they built an arena on the east side. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Then I think and, and, and to me it's it is kind of ridiculous that they built rebuilt Key Arena. Um instead of building an arena. If you took an arena and put it on the east side, um, I think you if you had a hockey team and um a, a, a basketball team you'd probably be okay because there's so much money over there uh, and there's so many people who don't want to make the trip into the city uh, to downtown Seattle uh, that that I think I think it would work over there. If you want to build an arena, if you want to keep the Sonics, build an arena in downtown Bellevue, and I think that you would get the Sonics back uh, a lot quicker than if they're going to have to share an arena with um, with the hockey team. So do you think... The I'm key- really excited to... Sorry, oh, I'm excited to see how hockey is going to do here. Do, do you think that pretty much um, kills then uh, the effort that Hanson wanted to do to get the Sonics uh, like south of the south of the Seahawks? Well, yeah, he's not, he's not going to build in another arena south of, of, um, uh, of uh, the ballpark now, right? They're not going to put another arena down there. No. I think if Hanson was smart, he'd look for some property on the east side. Right. And he'd, go, and, and he, and he'd build, oh, he'd, he'd try to do something with Bellevue or with Redmond, uh, somewhere over there. I would love Redmond. That would be so awesome for me. I work at Microsoft, you know? so I'd love to just go uh-huh. right after work <laughs> to a game. <laughs> but- yeah, but, but I, th- I think that that's where that's the underserved part of the population. I mean, the population is growing out there uh, in leaps and bounds, and there are people who, again don't want to make the trip into Seattle because of the traffic, because of, of what they perceive to be downtown Seattle and how horrible it is, which is a lot of malarkey, but that's the perception. Perception is reality to a lot of people. Yeah. And I well, think where, that where are it, you going to park? If you go to, if you go to Key Arena or whatever, whether they're calling it now, where are you going to park? Well, see, that's, uh, yeah, that's the climate huge part. Arena, yeah. Yeah, Lemon Pledge yeah. Arena is a huge problem right now. Like, yeah, where are you going to park? Where are you gonna, they got how re- are you going to get there? The the Bill and Melinda Foundation took away all the parking on the east side of that stadium, and yeah, there's. I don't know. I don't know. I I have tickets for the Kraken, and I don't know where I'm going to park. <laughs> like, it's going to be weird. Um, that's well, I'm going to encourage you to take the take take the light rail in, right? That's not that's not going to happen, New York, Vinny. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I some of us, some of us don't live anywhere near where the, the late rail. Is. I don't live anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I might go. How park. about the bus? No, no. That's even. That's even a bigger no. Um, I'll tell you. It, it, then the choice is: I can, I can sit at home and watch it on TV, or I can take the bus. Why don't I just sit at home and watch it on TV for free? Most likely, what's going to happen is I'll drive close enough and take an Uber. You know. Um, yeah. Or maybe drive. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what people are going to do. Uh, I don't think people. Go, I, I mean, we we forget what it was like 
to try to get out of uh, uh, the key arena. It was bad. Garage. It used to be bad. Yeah. I mean, you were, it was an hour and a half after a game. I mean, I was lucky. I know, you know, KJR was just, you know, two blocks away. We had a spaces at KJR that we could park in. Um, but man, uh, to, um, you know, if, if you didn't have a parking space downtown, uh, you know, you were screwed and now half those parking spaces are gone. Yep. You brought up the light rail. Here's the problem with that as well is it doesn't go to the stadium. Where right. Go? Well, you can go to Westlake and then get on the monorail. But you know, like I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I'm not, I'm not into transferring, and I'm not into like trying to find a monorail station to go to. I, I don't know. It's, I'm still going to go see the Kraken. That's that's going to happen. Um, I just have to think about how I'm going to do it. And New York, Vinny, you're right. Like it's, it makes me think twice. And if there was a team in Bellevue, Redmond, I would say no to the Kraken. I would just go to the Sonics, you know, over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think if that, if that can be worked out, if that's somehow some developer, like, uh, you, you know, like, uh, the, the guy that wants to do the Sonics that wanted to do the Sonics, uh, South of, uh, South of uh, the ballpark. If, if he went over and he said, Hey, I'll trade my land over here for some trip for some land in, uh, you know, over there in Bellevue somewhere or uh, somewhere, you know, in that area um, and build an arena there, I I, I think he'd have a, had a, have a great shot at getting an expansion team uh, that they could call the Sonics and, um, and, and bring basketball back. Um, I don't know the, the key arena is or whatever it is, a climate change arena is going to do the trick. It might. I mean, I'm sure that the people that are running it uh, want to try to get the NBA. I'm just not sure that um, it makes sense. That it's going to support it. Yeah. Yeah. That it's going to support it. Although I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's good. You know, (laughs) I, I can't wait for the first hockey game and, and mommy and daddy take little Johnny to the hockey game. And all of a sudden, somebody high sticks somebody else, and they start beating the crap on the ice. And some guy <laughs> spitting teeth and blood, and mom's got her hands over Johnny's eyes. Mommy, I want to grow up and be just like him. Right. All right. I didn't know they really fought. <laughs> all right. Well, New York, Finney, it's been amazing. We're at the end of the hour here. And uh, what we like to do at the end of the show is to end on a positive note and talk about okay. uh, talk about something that we're grateful for and want to give a shout out. And for example, Solak will start us off with a shout out of his own. Absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you, New York, Vinny. You are a true legend, and and it means a lot means a lot to all of us and to our Shell Sports Union Nation that you joined us. So thank you for. For your, we could have talked to you guys too for several hours, but I, I know we're on a time. Well, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, my quick shout out is once again to the Everett Aqua Sox and the Bellingham Bells, who we covered during the summertime. Sounds like they're going to slowly start having fans come back in to, to the stadiums and just 
please go support them and buy your season tickets if you're able to. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give a shout out to Tesla's Cybertruck. Uh, I want to buy one and just drive up and down Factoria so that New York Vinny can look out the window at KKNW 1150 AM and see me driving up. And down oh the my God. <laughs> Matt, oh Matt do you have any shout outs? Yeah, I, I got to give a shout out to New York Vinny because uh, restoring my faith in humanity regarding the DH, uh, these two jerks uh, will regularly gang up on me regarding the DH and how I'm an old fogey and, and lost, locked in my ways when I'm rooting for the DH. And the rooting against the DH. Yeah. So thank, thank you. DH. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll finish, um, off, we'll finish <laughs> off with you, New York Vinny. Would you have any oh, shout-outs? I, I get the shout-out, Yeah, too? totally. Well, I, listen, I appreciate you guys um, having me, and I, I really appreciate it. It's been a fun hour, and I'd like to shout-out uh, to all the people that work giving people vaccines uh, in this in this crazy time of us, because if we don't get the vaccines and we don't wear our masks, we're not going to be able to go back to sporting events. And we are going to wind up going to a baseball game this year, going to a football game, going to a hockey game, uh, because you have people who are willing to stand um, in a high school gym and inject people with a vaccine. And without those people, uh, we would uh, we'd be less of a society. So uh, if you know one, thank them. Uh, give a shout out to them. Uh, they are doing their part to get our lives uh, back to normal. If you can get the vaccine, get it. Right on, New York, Vinny. And where can people find you again? Um, you can find me Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on 1150 KKNW with Drive Time. And you can also go to my page on Facebook, uh, which is NYVINNIE, New York, Vinny. And uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m., you can join Michael Knight and I as uh, we do Mikey and Vinny Take On the World. Fantastic. And thank you, New York Vinny, for being our guest today. And I want to thank Matthew Page, who's not just another guy, but he was here. And Brian, the soul man, Solak for co-hosting. Check us out every week here on our podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, on iTunes, as well. Check us out at SeattleSportsUnion.com, as well on Facebook, Seattle Sports Union, and Twitter at Seattle Sports U. See you guys next time. <laughs>